Blog Talk Radio. NASCAR driver Brad Keselowski, and you're listening to the Pit Stop Radio.
Good evening from Duggan Nation. I'm Tim Despain alongside my good friend, uh, Stephen Wilson at SpeedwayDigest.com. He's right outside of Richmond Raceway, and the way the crow flies, I'm about eight miles south of this 2.66-mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway. Stephen, how you doing this evening, brother? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. Uh, you know, you and I, uh, well, I come back. We left that uh, South Florida weather down there that was really, really nice. Now we come back with this dead blame cold stuff, man. Dang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been kind of cold up here, too, so, and raining. So. That's right. And to let our listeners know, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. We've got a lot to talk about. And, Stephen, I had promoted the show about talking about the penalties, uh, the sanctioned body handed down there at the Premier Motorsports, Rick Ware Race, and Inspire Motorsports. But first, I want to let you get time to get your daily stuff that come out today, the notes we got. I know we had we had uh, the deal with uh, uh, Corley Joy coming back to uh, go fast racing. But the latest we got, this is a shocker, Steve. I know you got it just a moment ago, just like I did. Uh, Richard Childress Racing signed uh, Anthony Alfredo to drive. Uh, he's going to he's gonna share the, the ride there with Matt, with Matt Snyder uh, in that number 21 Camaro there in NASCAR Xfinity Series. Steve, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so Anthony, he's uh he raced a little bit on the trucks this past year for um, David Gillum and racing and uh, those guys. So uh, now he's getting an opportunity to run an XNA series part time. Uh, you know, he's uh he's somebody that's been up and coming uh, for quite some time. He's been in late models and um, has finally moved over trucks a little bit last year and Xfinity this year. So. Getting a little bit more experience and more seat time. See, yeah, but also he was a Anthony was also a NASCAR Next prospect too. There, uh, he actually run the uh, NASCAR KN series there too. He's a twenty year old uh, from Richfield, Connecticut. There, and he joins an accomplished list of racers who have competed in the NASCAR Xfinity Series on a Richfield racing banner, including Kevin Harvick, Clint Boyer. Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, Daniel Hamrick, our good friend, and Tyler Reddick, among among others. What do you think actually Richard Childress seen in this young man to bring him into the stables there at Richard Childress Race? Well, I think just like anybody else, so, you know, they're 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 just filling out their roster, and he's somebody that was able to come into the truck series on a limited schedule last year and run decently without sitting in that seat every week, so there was a guy that could come in and keep control of the trucks and not recommend wreck them, and uh, that opportunity kind of goes a long way. I'm sure he would like uh, more of an opportunity to to to, to, uh, to run full-time, but um, you know, I'm sure he's got some financial wherewithal, which is maybe part of this package that he's bringing over to Richard Childress Racing like so many drivers these days. And, um, you know, they're, they're a team that after Reddick is move, moving up into Hemrick's seat in 2020, there was, didn't seem they were, didn't know what the direction would be, but uh, by them bringing my insider in, at least part-time, um, they're going to at least bring an organization that has run very well in the Xfinity Series over the last couple of years, even when Daniel Hemrick was in that car prior, prior to Reddick. Um, you know, they, they've run real good. They've run real strong, and they have the opportunity to continue building upon some of that success. And uh, while they won't race for a, a driver's championship, they can still run for that owner's championship in the car. Stephen, you bring up Daniel Hamrick there, our our really good friend there. Daniel always takes time out to talk to you and I in the in the media center at these tracks that we attend. And uh, uh, I'm sure a lot of our a lot of our listeners are already seen on social media. Uh, he and his wife, uh, Kenzie Rustin, we've had Kenzie on the show, Stephen, a few years back before she even met Daniel. They are expecting, I think, in May of 2020. And talk about that. You bring up Daniel Hamrick. Uh, Richard Childress Racing let Daniel go and. Daniel's 
Daniel's going to step into a part-time deal. I think he's got more than I think he's got more than a handful of races, probably a double handful of races there with Junior Motorsports and NASCAR Xfinity Series. What do you think we see out of Daniel Hembrick next year? Which, with he and his wife Kinsey starting his family, I'm pretty sure it's an upbeat deal there. And he actually won Rookie of the Year in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series this time, which is a big accomplishment. And then he goes back to Junior Motorsports. How do you think? He grabs a hold of this NASCAR expending deal there with Junior Motorsports. I mean, he's saying he was in this position prior with them, even prior to getting in that car for a year. So um, he's well versed in the Xfinity series. I um, think he's got a lot of talent into it. And uh, again, he's he's somebody that can come into the series and. Uh, He's well-respected by the drivers out there. He has a lot of competitive talent. And, you know, junior motorsports is always looking for that untapped talent that sometimes that, um, you know, we, we've seen them bring drivers in and promote that talent. Um, you know, it's kind of unfortunate for Daniel Hemmerich where he only got the one year in the car, but sometimes that's just how it goes in, in NASCAR these days. And, I really think that by him going over to, to JRM in 2020, um, this gives him uh, an opportunity to be in a competitive car, as an opportunity to be uh, highlighted in competitive cars. And, you know, when you get to 2021, um, there's probably going to be some seats open somewhere else, and uh, where those seats are, who knows, but, you know, you've got to keep your name out there, and you know, Dan Hemrick has said it time after time. He's been kind of unconventional in his uh, rise to NASCAR, and he's struggled, and he's had to work hard for everything that he's got. And I think, you know, this is just one more step in that progress where he is uh, going to have to work hard and keep his name out there and be visible out there and uh, be competitive in them JRM cars, which will likely lead to something else in the future. And, whatever that might be, whether a full-time extended series ride at JRM or somewhere else, or maybe in a cup ride comes open, but, you know, it's, uh, you know that's, that, that, that's got to be his outlook going into 2020. It's, it, it may be a step back to some degree after, you know, one year in the cup series and winning that rookie of the year title, and uh, he, he only gets a part-time ride somewhere else, but, you know, it, you got to stay visible in this in this sport, and I think by being visible and being visible in these very competitive cars leads to other opportunities, which would be forthcoming in 2021. That's right, brother. To move right on along, like I said, we had talked about Corey LaJoy. Uh, Go Fast Racing, they signed Corey again, this time to drive the number 32 for their Go Fast Racing. And, you know, Corey's, Corey's one of them type guys, you know, he. He's he's sort of like a sort of like a jokester, you know. He had that he had that on the front of his car. He had that wrap that time of his uh, of his goatee and all that. But the the 28 year old concluded his first full season there in the NASCAR Premier Series in 2019 by recording career high statistics, including two top 10 finishes and seven top 20 results in that number 32 entry. What do we look to see out of this young man, Corey LeJoy, which, you know, we don't like to categorize cars and drivers and all that, but he's not really like a lower-tier car. He's like your medium-tier car. What do we look to see out of Corey LeJoy? And I don't know the the exact uh, deal that he signed. I don't know if he signed a one-year deal or what have you, but can you let everybody know about that? Well, this is just kind of pairing him up back again with – Go Fast Racing, but they also have, have a technical alliance with Stuart Haas Racing coming 2020, so the cars that they're going to get and the technical support they're going to get from them and, and Ford come next year should be a performance boost to that team. And they've worked themselves slowly and methodically uh, up to this position, and I think with Corey, he's a good balance between a, a driver that can go out there and get the job done and bring these cars home clean. Um, we're going to see him racing up front with the rest of the SRH contingent. Um, 
you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think so, but I do see him being able to improve upon what they did next year and building that program up for them, uh, especially with the support that they're going to get from SHR come 2020. You know, we've had Carl DeJoy on our show multiple times since he's been with Go Fast Racing and also when he was with uh, Ron Devine there at BK Racing. And I want to bring up this, and uh, I don't want to really uh, ruffle any feathers, but I want to talk about VK Racing there for a bit. Uh, you know, you and I, we're really good friends with Ron Devine. I haven't texted him lately. I need I need, need to text my buddy and uh, check on him. But uh, he's mentioned time and time again that he might come back to the truck series. And I know he had a, a lot of our listeners don't know. He told me to keep this quiet, but it's been – over some 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 months now, a lot of our listeners probably don't know. He ha- he was trying to get some dealings going there with Bubba Wallace and uh, that Earthwater deal there, and he was trying to get all that going. And I don't you know you know how everything is with sponsorship in uh, NASCAR. But our good friend Ron Devine there, where do you think we could see Ron coming back to the series? I don't know, maybe uh. You know, Bill Kimmel talked about putting Will in a truck, you know, with uh, the ARCA series running that MR engine there. And, he, like he told us on the show one night, he could just drop that MR engine there into a, a truck and come back and compete. Where do you see some of our future uh, owners coming from? And maybe some, you know, like I mentioned, Ron Devine, one of our older owners that has got into a little bit of crack that he had to get out of coming back to the sport. Could we see Ron Devine come to the truck series? I mean, you know, I'm just throwing this out there. I don't want to put you on the spot, but you know, the, the uh, trucks they're looking for to fill a, a lot of spots there. But I mean, you know, and if Ron could get his sponsorship back there with Earthwater, you know, cause he had, he had that really good deal there with BK racing when he had, uh, David Reagan and Matt Benedetto, you know, like I said, Cord Joy raced some, and you know, just going back to this, do you see a guy like Ron Devine get back into the sport within the next two or three years? No, I don't. I don't see him getting back because I think the barrier of entry is just too high. Um, any any of his further owners that I think that we're going to see in sports. Uh, especially in the upper tiers, either the Xfinity or the Cup Series, is probably going to come along as a package with uh, possibly a new manufacturer when this new car comes out. And I know NASCAR has at least met with Honda on two different occasions, once out in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, and then there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway during the Indy 500 weekend. Um, so, you know, they are courting them. There's been some some uh, talk that others uh, are interested in coming into the sport as a manufacturer, but um, the barrier of entry is just so high these days that for for a team or uh, a new new teams to come into the sport, I think are really really hard. And I know NASCAR is trying to reduce down some of these costs, and they've gone to the Elmore engine. They're going to go to a common car in the Cup Series starting in 2021. Um, that's going to be built by a common manufacturer with a common template that um, teams won't be building their own cars anymore. Um, I just think that, you know, again, these barriers of entry are just really, really high. And especially without the support of a manufacturer these days, it's almost impossible to compete on any level in in NASCAR. And that even goes for the... uh, the ARCA series, um, the old K&N and stuff like that. Um, you got you got manufacturers like Toyota that pour a lot of money from top to bottom into this sport, and without without that support, it's just going to be exceptionally exceptionally hard that people are going to go and come in as 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 new owners. Uh, I think reasonably and conceivably, we're going to continue to see uh, new sponsors come into this sport. Um, where we might see smaller sponsors come in in varying, varying different ways. Um, but as far as uh, we see an inrush of new team owners, it's right now. I think uh, right now I think it's just too hard. I really do. I think, uh, and, and when we do see it, I think we, you know we're going to see it matched with a new manufacturer. Some manufacturers going to court 
some teams out there that are currently running and currently uh, getting support or maybe not what they feel is uh, sufficient support from their current manufacturer and maybe they're looking for something new. Um, and then they're going to build that up. And, you know, if that's Honda that comes in and, and runs, um, they're going to dump a lot of money into this. And they've done this in IndyCar, and they have motorsports, you know, with Acura in the uh, IMSA racing and things like that. So, you know, as a, as a manufacturer themselves, I don't think they're, you know, they, they understand the barrier of the cost. They understand what they need to do to compete in these series. Um and, and and I think that you know, aside from what we're seeing with Toyota, we're gonna we're gonna see somebody like a Honda that has is flush with cash and engineering, be able to come in, and I think that's really where our our next steps are on when we start to see new ownership come into the sport because you know there there may be owners in IndyCar and the racing that. Honda taps, for example, and says, well, why don't you come over here and support your Enzo or your IndyCar, you know, racing as it is. Um, would you be willing to help us out and build our support and build our cars and build our competition in, in, in the NASCAR levels? And I think we'll start seeing things like that in, in the future. But, you know, until there's really a new manufacturer announced and um, once there's a clear direction on the 2021 car that everybody's either going to be building or is going to be getting from a common uh, supplier, I think that's when uh, that's when pe people are sitting there looking right now because there's a lot of changes. And even look at the scheduling changes that we've had this year, well, in 2020, and then there's going to be more in 2021. I think this, you just have a lot of people, I think, probably sitting on the sidelines trying to measure um, where they fit in at this in this level of at this level of racing, and maybe biding their time because there's just so many things in flux right now that for for a new team to come in, and uh, you know try and build what they need and in one year they have to scrap it all and start all over again. I think that you know I think those are compounding issues that we also have within the sport. So is it a bad thing? No, I don't think so. But I think you know maybe. You know, this gives the time to those manufacturers looking at coming in the sport, teams from other series that have shown some interest that are coming in, or even drivers that are showing some interest. And this gives them all an opportunity to sit back, gauge where everything is going, and then once the final product is delivered in June, July, or August next year during the summertime uh, for the Cup Series, then, you know, people will uh, start making decisions on what they want to do next. That's right, brother. Very well said. Uh, you must have read my mind. Uh, cause that was going to be my next question there, talking about the uh, next-gen car. And, Stephen, if I can, uh, let's take a little quick break. And uh, I've got the audio uploaded. We're going to play this from uh, Steve Phelps uh, down there at Homestead, Miami Speedway, on the state of the sport. And he brought up a lot of good points there, Stephen. And this is a pretty long interview, but I'm not going to play all of it. But we're going to take a little quick break. And let's let uh, – Stephen touched on a lot of stuff there with this 2021 car. And Steve Phelps at Homestead, Miami Speedway, let us media know a little bit about what's going to go on. So let's listen to what Steve Phelps had to say Sunday morning in the championship uh, for weekend there at Homestead, Miami Speedway. All right. Good morning, everybody. And uh, welcome to Championship Sunday here at Homestead, Miami Speedway. This is our final media availability of the day. And we're pleased to have Steve Phelps. President of NASCAR joining us here in the media center. Uh, Steve, let's start off here with uh, 2019. Uh, has been a season where we've had uh, marked with great racing, some fairly significant industry change, and some real momentum for our sport with ratings up and fan engagement on the rise. Why don't you start off with just some thoughts on how the 2019 season has gone from your vantage? Uh, thanks, Eric, uh, and thank you everyone for being here this morning. Uh, let me start by I'm uh, doing the same thing I did last year at this press conference, which is to thank the media. Um, the race teams, the drivers, the crews are the ones that provide the compelling uh, stories from the track. Um, but it's what you do with those storylines to amplify those to reach our fan base. So I want to thank you for the job that you do. It's important uh, whether this is your first race of the year or it's your 38th race weekend. I want to thank you for being here. Um, Secondly, I'd like to thank uh, or congratulate Matt Crafton, uh, Duke and Rhonda for their uh, Gander Outdoors Truck Series Championship, Matt's third. 
Uh, I want to congratulate Tyler Reddick for his second consecutive Xfinity Championship uh, and Richard Childress uh, and the R RCR folks, as well as uh, Ford on Friday night and Chevy last night. So um, really excited about what we're going to see today. Um, just to, the, these four drivers and what they've done to get here I think is incredible. I think we're going to see some phenomenal racing uh, in front of a packed house in an un unbelievable audience, both from a, a television standpoint and then digital and social. So with that, um, I will start to answer your question, Eric. Um, I, I think if you take a step back and you, and you think back to um, where we were in February of the Daytona 500, um, it was an industry that was finding its footing, right, and a sport that was finding its footing. Um, and you could feel the sport kind of rallying around itself. You could feel momentum that was coming um, and a real ex excitement. And the narrative that you all were, were talking about uh, the sport, it, it felt different. It felt different. And that difference, in my opinion, really starts at the top. Um, it starts with uh, um, Jim France and his vision. Um, you know, Jim went to almost every race weekend this weekend, uh, this year, uh, the 2019 season. He's here because it's important, and he's here, he's here because he loves it. He loves, he loves NASCAR racing. He loves racing in general. Um, and so that, that was the start of it, Jim's vision and then a, a plan to bring this sport to a place where we were being successful and we're having success. And I would say that if you think and you take stock of where we are, um, I'd say we had an incredible season. And I'm incredibly proud of the people who work in this industry uh, and what they've done to execute against this plan. Because it's not just NASCAR's plan, it's what NASCAR does and what others do to support what that plan looks like. Race teams, drivers, tracks, uh, our media partners and sponsors, it's really important that everyone uh, has come together. Um, I've been teased a little bit about using the word collaboration too much. I don't think you can use that word too much, frankly. And I would say, and it's building, that the collaboration of this industry is better than it's ever been. So really excited about, about where that is. Um, if you look at the results, uh, I start with the competition always. Our competition right now in the intermediate tracks and the, and the super speedways, I believe is the best racing we've ever seen. I'll start with myself as a fan. I love watching uh, and super excited about when we get to these intermediate tracks and these, um, you know, and the super speedways, the type of racing that we are going to, that we are going to see. Do I think that we need to, to work with our industry, Goodyear, our race teams, uh, our OEM partners to improve what we're seeing on the short tracks? I do. And we're going to do that in the off season for sure. Um, the results from the competition side are working from a consumption standpoint. So if you look at the fans and what the fans are doing and how they're responding to it, if you look, you know, kind of apples to apples, our ratings are up 4% this year. All of sports is down 9%. We're plus 4. Importantly, our share is plus 9. So there are fewer people who are watching television in all sports, obviously, but fewer people watching television overall. So when they were watching, not only do they watch more NASCAR from a rating standpoint, but when they were tuned in, they were watching more NASCAR. We were taking share from someone else, which is important. So that's television. Our digital and social numbers continue to, to climb. And they do because we're providing great content. Content on the racetrack, and then how we're repackaging that both on race day, uh, but also during the week. It is compelling, and it's working. Uh, and then innovation. How are we going to, to find new, new fans and innovate and, and create um, engagement around existing fans, but also new fans. So three things I would highlight there. You look at our announcement on Thursday uh, with Track Pass and NBC Sports Gold. We're thrilled with what that opportunity looks like. We double down from a grassroots standpoint. NBC has been a phenomenal partner on that. So if you look at the grassroots portion of what we're going to see from short tracks, uh, the Arkham Menard series, um, what was K&N East and West, um, ARCA East and West, um, the opportunity to have IMSA on there, American Flat Track. Um, these are important parts because if motorsports is growing, we the, at NASCAR, at kind of at the top of the heap, we are going to be growing too, and that's important. Um, 
What's happened from a sports betting standpoint? We're just getting our footing on that. If you look at the um, what is the integrity portion of that and our relationship with Sports Radar, and then the distribution that partnership we had with Genius Sports, they're important parts to continue to, to create engagement with our race fans. And last would be eSports. Um, what we've done with iRacing and what we've done with Heat Pro League, those numbers in each of those series exceeded our expectations. A um, couple more things here. Um, importantly, uh, again, as you take stock of the season, one important thing and, and was a lot of work that folks certainly uh, worked on was the, with the IC NASCAR merger, uh, which was completed roughly a month ago. It will be an important part of what our future holds. So the work that was done getting us to that point, uh, I think will pay dividends down the line. So you're going to take the best of what was ISC and the best of what was NASCAR and create a bigger, stronger uh, uh, entity as, as NASCAR that will help service the fans. I've also been um, teased um, pretty mightily on the fact that every time I come to a press conference like this, I talk about the fans. Um, and I'm going to continue to do that unapologetically because the first lens that we're going to look through is what the fans are interested in having on the racetrack and how we service those fans. It's critically important. So our broadcast partners important, sponsors important, teams, drivers, absolutely, they're all important stakeholders. The most important stakeholder we have is our fan base. Um, and then uh, lastly, I just want to thank, um, I wanted to thank the media, which I did. I want to thank the, the industry. Um, We've had, a, we've had a phenomenal season. Um, 38 race weekends is a lot of race weekends. Um, for me, it went very quickly. Um, I can't believe we're already at our championship race here in Homestead uh, on this Sunday and, and going to crown our new Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion. Um, whether it's uh, Kevin or Kyle or Martin, their second, or Denny's first, uh, it's going to be phenomenal. But I do want to thank all the stakeholders um, our race teams, the crews, um, our tracks, our media partners, um, the, everyone bands together to create success in this sport, and I think that's exactly what we've done. So with that, I'll open up. Steve, and that was Steve Phelps over NASCAR uh, and his uh, state of the sport address there at Homestead Miami Speedway. And uh, I want to uh, give big kudos to Steve. Uh, he was constantly thanking the fans, but he constantly thanked us, the media. And he went through multiple multiple deals there, talking about everything from uh, the NBC Gold, which was formerly uh, Fans Choice TV. They're going to do something there with that. And he also talked about the ARCA Racing Series, which is coming aboard, which NASCAR bought ARCA out. And also the ISC merger there with NASCAR. What was one of your biggest uh, deals that you got out there from Steve Phelps at Home Tail Miami Speedway, Stephen? I guess you know one of my biggest takeaways from him is he he admitted that they you know they had you know while they had in, increased the, the performance of racing in the on-track product in this 1.5 mile racetrack, which NASCAR has our fans have asked for for years. Um, he admitted that by doing so, it has uh, hurt the racing at places like Martinsville and Richmond and Watkins Glen, Sonoma, and other road courses um, that we've raced on um, throughout the year. So, you know, the, the RTA has uh, resisted change and didn't want two packages. Um, and I hope that by <coughs> making that admission that while the performance on these 1.5 mile racetracks and the competitiveness is is far exceeding what they were hoping for, um, that NASCAR will take that stand against the RTA and tell them that essentially they are the sanctioning body. And while we welcome your input, but we've got to put on the best best on track product for our fans who come and buy the tickets and watch on television and buy the merchandise. And by doing so, we need to make some changes to the, the the Richmonds and the Martinsville's and the road courses of the world 
when we come back in 2020. And while you may be resistant to change, um, this is what this is our position. This is what we're going to move to. And he says, you know, they have some levers that they can pull, and hopefully he will pull those levers, and we will see those implementation in the 2020 package when we come back to some of these tracks, which fans have said, um, you know, didn't meet up, didn't live up to their expectations or situation that they've seen in the past. And I think that's, you know, that's bold of them to say, and hopefully they will take this next step and that stand against the RTA to make the changes that are needed. And the uh, NASCAR Cup Series uh, Ford Championship 400 there at the home team, it was sold out. Sold out. Uh, there was no seats available. I think there might have been some stuff for the infield and all that, but just to add to your point there, with with that being said, we're moving the championship race to Phoenix next year. And there's a lot of people that I know on social media that have hit me up, sent me IMs and stuff. They're not happy about that. And I want to get your take on, does NASCAR need to leave the championship weekend there at Homestead, Miami Speedway, or do they need to move it around, Stephen, different tracks or what have you? But what is your take on NASCAR making the move to uh, the final race next year in 2020 uh, for all for all three series there with the uh, championship for it, uh, PR. Well, I, I think I think a lot of the the, the anger is out there, not necessarily because of them moving the race from Homestead Miami Speedway to ISM Raceway in 2020, but I think a lot of fans saw the racing that happened at the final race, which would be the championship race in 2020. And it goes back harking on to the point prior where the 1.5-mile racetracks, they exceeded all the performance metrics that they were looking for. And it seems like the fans are pleased for the most part on these 1.5-mile racetracks. But when you get down to these one-mile racetracks like the Phoenix and your Richmond's and your Martinsville's and Sonoma's and Watkins Glen's of the world, the racing, the racing hasn't been how it's been in the last couple of years. The competitiveness, the competitiveness isn't there, and NASCAR, you know, Steve had admitted to that fact that we understand this. And I think the fans are looking at this and saying, well, if this is a championship race in 2020, it's not going to be very impressive. And I think you you can sympathize to that to that to some degree. And, you know, we saw what happened. There were probably seven lead changes throughout the entire race uh, between three or four different drivers. And, uh, you know, do do you expect to come into an ISM raceway and have 20 different lead changes between 15 different drivers? No. You're not going to get what happens at Talladega or at Daytona where 20 or 25 different drivers can, can lead any particular lap, and at the end of the race you've got, you know, a dozen or more different lead, different drivers that have swapped the lead throughout the race, and you're not going to get that as an ISM. But you do, you do have some expectation that there's going to be passing for the lead. There's going to be passing in in the uh, in the field through, through the running order. And I think, again, I think that's just where the fans are, are, are looking at and saying, well, if this is championship race in 2020, I'm not so sure that this place is suited for, for the championship race. We've seen a lot of competitive racing at Homestead Miami Seaway. We've seen it in all three series. The progressive banking there puts on a really good show. The, the cars that are there um, that have come there have put on a really good show. And I think people are just you know, are making those comparisons and looking, well, this is what we have now. And we saw what happened in, in November, and I think they're trying to make the correlation between the two and uh, on just, you know, that point alone that, you know, maybe this isn't the right place if this is the kind of racing that we're going to see. And, you know, NASCAR may come back next year, and they may make the changes that they, that they say they're going to make and come back to Phoenix in, uh, in the spring. And we see a totally different style of racing that matches the Homestead Miami Speedway, or a 1.5-mile track, 
or any other competitive racetrack that we saw or any other competitive race that we saw in 2019. So we could all be pleasantly surprised. We just have to wait on NASCAR. But, yeah, um, I would like for him kept it in South Florida. I think it was a great place for him to do it at. Um, they spent about 15 years down there. and But, you know, at the same time, this isn't the first time that they've lived the race. I mean, we've... We've had races ending at all, all all different places. I mean, we've talked about this before, and you know, we used to Atlanta. finish the season out in Atlanta. So, you know, moving it around isn't some new concept in NASCAR. But um, I think that as NASCAR fans, they want to see the most competitive racing for the money um, that they buy the ticket to go and see, or the time they spend on TV watching it. Very well said, brother. Let's take a little quick break. We're going to come back to We're going to talk about them penalties throw down there for manipulating the outcome of a race. We had not had this since your home track up there when Michael Washington racing on that bunch did that. But again, I'm Timmy Spain, alongside Speedway.dish.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. We're going to take a little quick break. We'll be right back after this song from Thomas Rhett, Look What God Gave Us. NASCAR driver Daniel Hemrick, and you're listening to the Pit Stop Radio. We're back live from Duggan Nation. I'm Tennis Payne, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen, I want to thank uh, Daniel Hemrick for that radio program like Thomas Ritt. Look what God gave her there. Stephen, let's go on into uh, what happened last Tuesday after our show. That Wednesday, Premium Motorsports, Rick Ware Race, Spire Motorsports. The sanctioning body come down with a infraction. Sections 12.8G, member conduct 12.8.1. And they got the 15, 27, 52, and 77 for manipulating the outcome of a race, brother. Sort of reminiscent about the Michael Walter deal back in Richmond, huh? 
Yeah, you know, that's you know, NASCAR NASCAR is going to take a stand against this, and they're not going to put up with the manipulation of of any driver or any team in this sport. I think a lot of people learn from the fact of what happened at Richmond and Michael Waltrip and Martin Truex Jr. back in. And, you know, NASCAR was already looking into this the day that it happened, and I know it took some time for them to put all the pieces together. But this is what they have to do. They can't have, you know, the rule is that you go out there and give your best, you know, give it 100% of the best of your ability. Um, and, you know, if the best of your ability is running 35th every week, then you run 35th, but at least you gave it your all. And, and they don't want any kind of manipulation outside of that. They don't want you, um, you know, pulling what had happened at Homestead Miami Speedway or causing a spin. Or even just a couple of weeks ago, they went after uh, uh, Bubba Wallace for for the spin that he had cause that brought a caution out. So, you know, NASCAR is cracking down on this stuff. They're looking at it more closely. They want these drivers to go out there racing 100% of their ability, but they're showing that they just are not going to put up with the manipulation. Exactly. I'm going to go ahead and read off the penalty there for the number 15 there at Homestead Miami Speedway. Like I said, section 12.8.G member conduct 12.8.1 12.8.1 member conduct guidelines of the NASCAR rule book. Team owner Jay Robinson was fined $50,000 in excess of the loss of 50 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series championship team owner points. The completion, the competition director, Scott Eagleson, was fined $25,000, has been indefinitely suspended from NASCAR. Then to move on to the number 27 team was assessed with the loss of 50 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series team owner sports. Known to the number 52, team owner Rick Ware was fined $50,000 in excess with the loss of 50 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series championship team owner points. The competition director, Kenneth Evans, has been fined $25,000 and been indefinitely suspended from NASCAR. And to move on to the number 77 of Aspire Motorsports, team owner T.J. Perjic was fined $50,000. 50000 chicken shit money and assessed with a loss of 50 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Championship team owner points. So competition director Scott Engelson was fined $25,000, been indefinitely suspended from NASCAR. Stephen, that indefinitely suspended from NASCAR, they yanked their hard cards they gonna have to go. I don't know how this deal is gonna work out. I we we had not talked about this since Richmond, brother. I mean, uh, bam! There you go. Well, they they've they've made their decision on this, and the teams are gonna have to to take it up, and they're gonna have to pay the fines and do what they have to do to be reinstated back into. I mean, the team members gonna have to do what they need to be reinstated back. So. You know, again, uh, there's no, there's, you shouldn't be manipulating the sport anyways, and I just think that they've done exactly what they should be doing. Exactly. And, Stephen, I want to bring up the point, too. You know, you and I, we had the scanners on, and I was listening, Suzanne was listening, and I heard that from the radio command was what got NASCAR and the sanctioned body looking into this. And they had told, the crew chief for Joe Nemechek was told that his steering box is going bad to come into the pits. And I I remember hearing that, and I looked at you, and I tapped you, and I think you you just nodded your head. You didn't know what was going on. But that was where NASCAR caught this, was on the uh, scanner frequency radio check, correct? Yes, they, you know, this thing was reviewed um, by listening to the radio um, traffic between the competition director and the driver and, and the crew chief and the team. Exactly. And, Stephen, we're going to – let's go ahead and get ready to jump out of here. I want you to uh, – I know the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series Awards Banquets is the national coming up, I think, Thursday night. I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have 
the TV times or anything that you want to throw out there before we jump out of here? Yeah, um, I'm not sure when it is. It's sometime this weekend. I, I haven't traditionally watched it in the past, and I'm really honestly not sure exactly when it is this week. 10-4, brother. And uh, to let our listeners know, our last show, Stephen, uh, I'm not going to put you on mute to confirm that. When is our last show? That way we can get everything ready for 2020. Uh, tonight is. We'll be back, I think, the 10th or something in January. Something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know the date. All right. I didn't want to put you on the spot. Well, good. That way, you and I can take a break because I know you there at Speedway Digest and uh, doing all your stuff there on social media, Twitter, and all that. So thank God. Tonight's the last show, and I want to go ahead and bring on, if I can, Steve, I want to bring on Suzanne and let her, uh, uh-uh. just let her speak a little bit. Suzanne? Yes? I uh, just want to bring you on, and uh, Steve and I want to thank you for everything that you do for uh, Speedway Digest, the Pit Stop Radio, and everything that you do all year long. Thank you for being the call, Screener. Y'all are more than welcome. And I'll be back again next year. I hope, hope so, everybody so. has I a hope very Merry to... Christmas. There you go. Thank y'all. Same Susan, I'm going to put you back. Susan, I'm going to put you back, meat. All right, Stephen, uh, anything you want to throw out there before we jump out of here to our final show of 2019 before we go? I know you and I. Uh, and Suzanne, we're going to Daytona for the uh, 500 in February. Uh, let everybody know they can follow you on social media, brother, your website. And I want to thank you again for hosting my website and everything that you do for us, uh, Suzanne and I. But let everybody know they can follow you on social media and your website, brother. You got the floor. You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, Speedway Digest, and com. Stephen, I want to thank you very much. It's been one hell of a damn season. I want to thank all of our listeners for taking time to listen and call in. It's been one hell of a damn season there of 2019 at NASCAR. I want to thank NASCAR for allowing us to cover it. And I know you do too, Stephen. But uh, until 2020, well, we will come back on right before the Daytona 500. Uh, I'm Tim Despain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com. We're going to sign off with a little bit of three doors down. When I'm gone. Thank you, Stephen. Well, uh, thanks for everything, brother. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.